God Creates Dinosaurs. We've got the Sad Boys Book Club here. God Kills Dinosaurs. It's a Unix system. I know this. God Creates Man. Dusty and Daniel were so preoccupied with whether or not they could. Man Creates Podcasts. I'm simply saying that, but life uh, finds a way. They didn't stop to think of they should. God Kills Man. Okay, Daniel, can you do me a favor? Sure, what's up? I need you to close your eyes. Um, alright. Alright, now I want you to imagine that you're floating down a river. It's nice am and... I, am I in something or am I just kind of like bobbing? You know what, I'll let you decide. Okay. It's peaceful. Is the river fast or slow? Okay, it's peaceful, okay. Okay. I'll shut up now. Go ahead. Yeah. No. I'll, you, do you do you want do you want to do you want to be a part of this or do you want to keep talking? Well, you know, I, I'm a control freak. I'm trying to I'm trying to wrest control of your story. Please continue. Yeah. You know, I think you're exhibiting too much control over my story here, so I'm going to take control back into my own hands. All right. All right. Take control. Okay. It's a good song by Weezer, by the way. Um, Alright, so you're floating down the river. Your eyes are closed. Everything is calm and serene. Okay? Mm-hmm. You hear some hooting in the distance. You're not okay. sure what it is, but you're not concerned. You hear the As leaves. I would not be. You hear the leaves rustle around you, but you're not concerned. Zero concerns. You feel a warm breeze on your face. Hmm. Nice. Yes. And as you open your eyes... As you crest the, the hill around you, you're now on a hill. Uh, you don't know how Wait, you got onto this hill. It doesn't matter. It's not important. <laughs> Suddenly, you just see in front of you a dinosaur. <laughs> it's a big dinosaur. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm less amused. Is you're... it like a carnivore? Oh, okay. It's just a dinosaur. I don't know, man. <laughs> wow, look at this dinosaur. I know, and it's look it's just such a dinosaur. And it's look at it's these walking scales, to you. Scales and not feathers. I don't remember any more of this song. So I'm just gonna keep playing this bit over and over. It's just, it's a dinosaur. Wow. Look at the dinosaur. Yeah, it eats your face. Oh, okay. Well, I'm. I guess I'm dead. Or if I'm not dead, I will be dead shortly thereafter. If that's the case. Welcome to the Sad Boys Book Club. My name's Dusty. Daniel's face has been eaten. Welcome to the final episode of Jurassic Park. Uh, thank God he's finally gone. Uh, I can I can do what I've been wanting to do this whole time. Let's talk about books that are really cool that Daniel would never read. First off, oh man, you guys ever read that Twilight book? It's so good. I like the part where the girl is like talking to the guy. And he's like, I'm bad. And she's like, that's cool. And he's like, no, but I'm bad. And she's like, that's cool. And then he says, I don't make love. I fuck hard. And she's like, that's cool. Wait, what? And then he eats her face. What? <laughs> Jurassic Park, uh, final episode. Yeah, but, 
welcome to the yeah the final episode of Jurassic Park. Um, I guess I'll just just hop in here with a couple thoughts. One, what, <laughs> what, what, uh, <laughs> what, what is is that a thing? Is in 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 Twilight? I, uh, I thought it was. I no, thought it was no. like a teen romance thing. No, I, I mean, you know, I, I kind of generalized a lot of it, but then I also pulled a, a direct quote from Fifty Shades of Grey, which was Twilight fan fiction. So, oh, okay. I actually, well, um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be ashamed to admit this because it's, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I've read all the Twilight books. I mean, um, I've also listened I, to them on on audiobook format too within the last year and a half or so. Uh, they're not good, by the way. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they're actually misunderstood. They're actually very good novels, very underrated. You should all... No, they're, they're terrible novels. I've gone through all of them at least twice. I think I've gone through the first one at least three times. They're not good. They're, they're really not. All right, well, let's, let's just unpack this a little bit. If you don't like them, why, why do you continue to read them? I mean, I read Light Lark a couple months ago with the full expectation of not liking it because it seemed like a really cheesy fantasy romance erotic fetish sex book um it ended up being some of those things not some of the others uh which i mean it wasn't it wasn't a great book i mean you can you can uh go to go to our youtube channel sad boys network and watch the sad boys book review of light lark by me if you want to hear my full thoughts on it uh but you know i i some you and i have a history of watching shitty movies we we both have watched the room a bunch we watched um Mm -hmm. i think you and i have watched uh double down by neil breen yes i've i've seen double down there's a couple neil breen movies you've seen without me but uh just just faithful findings i i have i have all of his film not all of his films i have all, all of his films as of like six years ago i think he's released two or three since then uh, but I've only watched Double Down and Faithful Findings. I also have, I, I think it's I Am Here Now, and uh, I forgot what the other one was. I think I have four, maybe five of his films. I can't, it doesn't matter, it's not important. Point being is, um, just because something is bad does not necessarily mean I'm not going to interact with it. Hell, I was playing Metal Gear Survive a couple weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Huh. Well... See the thing, the difference between me watching like a a, a bad movie, and the, like like those some of those affirmation movies, or or reading a bad book, or especially a bad series, or playing a bad video game, is that when you when you're doing the 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 book or the the movie, there's way usually way less time invested. Although I. I, I I guess I could imagine potentially there being some sort of like hum- similarly like perverse enjoyment of 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 a book, but it's just like, do I want to sit there and and uh, spend a, f- a couple days worth of my leisure time to extract this? I, I I don't know. I mean, to be fair, the first time I read through the Twilight books, it was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. So. Well, you were young enough that you didn't even know you didn't know any better. Oh no, I I was fully aware. All fo- all four of them have been out, and I had I, I it was my brother read them because his girlfriend was like a super fan, and you know that if if she was into it, he was willing to give it a try because it it made getting getting dirty a little easier. If I if you want to if you if you'll allow me the euphemism, uh, 
so you know he 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 taught i think he was like oh they're not that bad and i was like you know what yeah harry potter's over uh i don't really have a lot going on right now sure i'll read them and i read twilight and uh this is all about jurassic park by the way don't worry i'll tie it back in i'll find a way uh just like life uh and i, I remember reading through twilight and i'm like I finished the first one, and I'm like, this isn't amazing. It's honestly not that great, but there's, like, some potential here. I could see how this could actually become a really good series if it, if you use this as a jumping-off point and you improve your craft as an author. Similar things I said about Lightlark, by the way. We'll see what happens when Nightbane comes out in November. Uh, you know, it, it, it had potential. And then I read New Moon, and within, like, the first, like, 30 pages, she just, like took a shit all over everything she possibly built in Twilight. And I'm like, oh, this book's terrible. And, uh, you know, sunk cost fallacy. We had all four copies of the books. And I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll just see this through to the end. And, uh, yeah, uh, I still, I, I listened to the audiobook of Eclipse sometime within the last, I'm going to say two years. I don't know exactly. I think it was in 2021. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I still cannot remember Eclipse very well. It's so forgettable. I know that they have to fight uh, freshly turned vampires that the chick from the first book who was the girlfriend of the bad guy of the first book who was only in it for all of about three pages. Um, it's his girlfriend. She makes She wants to get revenge because of the first book and she makes like a bunch of young vampires and they have to team up with the wolves to defeat them like i remember that much about the climax but everything anything surrounding it i think that's the one i don't remember if it's new moon or eclipse that ends with her being like cool we're engaged let's go get married i I think it's eclipse i don't know they get married in in breaking dawn Uh, i'm kind of going on a weird tangent believe me i i'm not i'm not actually going on a twilight tangent believe you me i if i if i was going on one you'd know because i'd be getting really angry and i'd be shouting and i'd be talking about how stephanie meyer is a fraud and how (laughs) terrible these books are and explaining exactly why they are there's five books by the way i just don't remember that the whole reason i went through the audiobooks again a couple years ago was because uh, my wife got the audiobook for um, Midnight Sun, which is a retelling. Let me try that word again. Uh, a retelling of Twilight through Edward's perspective, and somehow, despite Twilight being the shortest book in the series, Midnight Sun is the longest book in the series, and it covers less time in terms of like start to finish. Like it starts on this day, it ends on this day. It covers less time on the timeline. Than Twilight did. Well, I just, boy. You know, I, I'm not necessarily surprised by that because a lot of um, authors, as they go along, especially if they've experienced a lot of commercial success, they they like some of their later works, um, and not that she's necessarily starting from a, a particularly uh, good place, but a lo- they. It's they they there's a lot less editing that is imposed on them, and uh, so I I could see how something like that it could easily balloon out of control. Yeah, and you know maybe one day we might could do an actual full episode talking about bad books and going into things like that. But I feel like we've taken up too much time as it is talking about bad books. Um, Jurassic Park is while we're here. Why we're here. Um, this is it. This is the end. Uh, the final 
uh, was 101 pages in my copy. I don't know how many pages it was for you. Final quarter of the book, we'll just call it. Yeah. Wow. Um, just a quick opening thoughts here, uh, as we like to do. Um, really, really enjoyed this one. Obviously, it has its, uh, it, its downsides. Probably people that are more scientifically literate than I am probably could find more than I did. But to to like to gripe about and there's like, there's a couple things that I don't think we're like have aged super well but like as a whole um phenomenal book really really fun really exciting really interesting stuff yeah um I don't know it's it's it might be my favorite it's it's like it's either this one or the road for me of the books that we've covered yeah, it's got really good pacing. Yeah, it's um, Mikey Kreitz. You know, uh, he is he is quite the quite the he, he's spun quite the yarn here. It's it's really fun. Moves along at a good pace. Um, you know, he that I think I think pacing is maybe his strongest suit as an author. You know, I think it's just like uh, at least. As it as it as it uh, refers to this book, to to be fair, I have not read any of his other works. Although I would like to uh, check out the Lost World after this at some point. Maybe we do this on the show. Maybe we don't. But um, I don't know. That just based on my impressions from this book, that seems to be maybe his um, greatest gift, and that is that's quite a good talent to have. Is just the ability to pay. You know, just tell a well paced story you know um everything kind of leading into anything else not a lot of fat on this one just overall really good book yeah really good uh character writing too i feel uh i wouldn't say it's perfect i will say there there are times when he leans into the stereotypes and that can be not good like like remember the wife at the beginning of the story yeah for example yeah but i i'm more so referring to like the, the 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 main the principal characters that's fair. He does a really good job with Grant and with Sattler and Malcolm. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I'll go more into this when we get to it, but he does a great job of establishing characters one way, and like by the end, you may either you'll either get a reinforcement of that of that initial reaction to the character, or you'll get a complete and total flip on him. Uh, a good example for me is Gennaro. Uh, at the mm-hmm. beginning of the book, he just seems like that sleazy lawyer guy who only cares about the money, and he probably still kind of is by the end of the book. But by the end of the book, he's one of the few characters that I'm like, this motherfucker better survive by the end. Like, if he dies, I'm gonna riot. Yeah, he he was he had a a really nice redemption arc, I would say. Yeah, and I'll like, go into more details about some things about Gennaro that I'd like to talk about when we get to it because it wouldn't really be prudent to right now. But there, are, I want to talk about him more when the time comes sure so picking up where we left off uh tim and lex were uh behind the waterfall the t-rex had tried to eat tim and it finally got knocked out and slipped and fell and whatever um so how that little storyline wraps up is uh basically (laughs) they go out and they look and they're like wow is it dead and Tim's like, no, I think it's asleep. And they see, like, this giant canister sticking out from behind his little ear flap, little ear hole, whatever. 
and uh, what happens at the at the start here is um, back in in control. Uh, funny enough, the chapter we started on this week was called Control. Crazy, I know. Um, they uh, they learn that Arnold learns that they have actually been running on auxiliary power this whole time when he didn't when he did the whole system restart where he turned it off and back on again. And mm-hmm. that ain't good. You're supposed to... And he didn't really understand this until Wu essentially showed it to him. What happens is it starts up on auxiliary power, and you have to use that, that time to have the auxiliary power fire up the main power source. And he didn't know that because they never had to do this. So the auxiliary power was out of fuel, and the power goes out again. And that's um, when we go back to Tim and Lex and they see the dinosaur being gone, being downed and the waterfall turns off because the power is shut down once again. Well, that and it, it just kind of it kind of reinforces this theme again of like this idea of of man trying to control nature and, you know, force nature into ways that it's not it would not be of its own volition, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think it it just it just uh, plays on that that broader theme, and it's also a kind of a really interesting visual. This idea of like you're back there with the kids and you're seeing the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex pushing his head through and all that, and then just the idea of it like he after he collapses, just the water to just stop. I don't know. In your in my mind's eye, that was a very uh, very powerful image. Yeah, I mean, imagine if the waterfall stopped while the T Rex was still conscious. Oh yeah, that that would be that would have been disastrous. Yeah, right. Bye bye, Tim. <laughs> so with the power being off, that means all the security systems shut down once again. So the door that Grant got locked out of pops open, and he's like, "Wow, great job, kids! You did it." And they're like, "Did what?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Doesn't matter. Come on, I gotta I gotta show you guys what I found." So they uh, they get in the electric car. He has the little baby Velociraptor, and he's like, "This will be the proof that I need that they've been breeding because it is a boy." Uh, and they get on the electric cart, and they're just they're they're making their way back to the to the lodge at this point. Uh, Muldoon has his "haha, I told you so" moment to Gennaro when they see on the cameras before the system shuts down completely that the T Rex actually did get hit. So he has his little like nana thing to to, to Gennaro about that. Um, that's fun. But now they have a, a bigger problem on their hands because the power is down once again, and well. Uh, it turns out also, with the auxiliary power being the thing that's running this, the uh, the park for the last, I think it's been almost five hours at this point. I think it was it's been like four and a half, four and change. I don't know. Uh, the electric fences don't run on auxiliary power, so the electric fences have actually still been off this whole time, meaning that at this point there has been no boundary in the in the entire island. All the animals have now been mingling with each other. Like they've they've gotten out of their their uh, their paddocks, and worst of all, as Muldoon is afraid of, the raptors are out. And as if they were waiting for their cue, as soon as Muldoon is like, "Uh oh, that means the raptors have had all these hours to get out of their pens." Somebody screams as they're being killed by a raptor, and it's like, "Ah, yep, <laughs> all right." Yeah, that, that, that was kind of um, uh, uh, convenient timing there. I mean, if there's anything we learn about the raptors in this in this final act of the novel is they're smart enough to have their plans and their 
their own sort of like cruel machinations. So it honestly wouldn't surprise me if there was a raptor that was just chilling just within earshot of that with his, his little ear hole to the wall, just waiting for them. And Muldoon's like, oh, that means the raptors have gotten out. And uh, the, the, the raptor's listening, looks over and goes like, ah, blah, 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 like whatever raptors sound like. And it's like a, a call like, oh, that's our cue, that's our cue, come on, come on, come on. And then that's when the raptors start their attack. We gotta yeah, wait until got... they realize. It's a dramatic yeah, I... irony. I gotta say that the raptors, surprisingly, you know, I, even though they are very, you know, brutal and deadly creatures, he has a way of riding them that I have gives me like a weird, sympathetic feeling for them. You know, um, I don't agree in terms of the main eight. Is it eight raptors? Yeah, well, I'm not really talking about them. It's usually usually tense, although. To a certain extent, yes. It's kind of like like the same thing that Tim said when he was talking about the T-Rex. It's like, it's not really their fault. They, they, they are, uh, they, it was not necessarily their fault that they wanted to, or that they were brought into the this world. Um, but the, especially like the baby ones. So there's the, the way that they're so friendly and intelligent. It just seems, I don't know. Uh, it gives me a strange... It's not like I'm rooting for the Raptors to eat people by any means. It's just like it gives me, I don't know. I just there's something very likable about that, about the way they're portrayed. I guess I I agree, but I don't agree in terms of the main eight that we are aware of. That that Jurassic Park, the the um, scientists of Jurassic Park, the ones that they think are the only ones. Our, our our antagonist eight, if you want, our our hateful eight, if you will. <laughs> um, I don't agree in terms of those, but for um, I won't go into why or who, but I do agree with you as a whole. Uh, I'll leave you in some suspense for that. Uh, but yeah, the the raptors are out and they're 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 wreaking havoc and that ain't good, to say the least. Uh, but they have to get the main power back on. And the only way to do that is to go to this maintenance shed. And so Muldoon hatches his own plan. Basically, you know, let's split up, gang. Arnold has to go to the maintenance room and reset the power. I think him and Gennaro... Yeah, him and Gennaro yeah. are going to deal with the raptors, f like, full-on. Do a, do a full frontal assault on the raptors. Which Gennaro is initially hesitant towards. He actually declines, but then uh, then then uh, decides. No, I, I I guess I have no choice but to live life dangerously. And everyone else, uh, no, Wu has to stay in the control room because he's the only other person that understands the computer system, which is strange, but whatever. And everyone else needs to go to the lodge where it's safer. So they they split up to do their thing. Uh, but as Muldoon and Gennaro get outside, they see that Arnold is at the maintenance shed, but he's being cornered by three raptors. And <laughs> I don't know where they they had these all of a sudden, but uh, Muldoon has this rocket launcher. I mean, maybe it's the same rocket launcher. No, I don't think it is the same one, is it, that he used for the trank darts on the T-Rex? That was a different one, but remember there was like a rocket... Didn't he say that there was a rocket launcher in the Jeep that um, that uh, Nedry took? I, I, I feel like... Because he was looking for it earlier in the book, but he was like, 
where is the rocket launcher? It was in the Jeep. Where did the Jeep go? And then the, when they, I think that when they found Nedry's corpse, um, I think they, they recovered it at that point. Yeah, I just I just understood that as being the thing that he used for the giant tranks on the T-Rex, but maybe that's just me uh, misunderstanding. But no, it's, you 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 you've got Metal Gear on the brain. You, it was one of the, it was a non-lethal uh, missile launcher. Uh, well, I mean, I will say uh, I I don't necessarily say this as a, as a as a critique or a bad thing, but Crichton does have a habit of being like, and this thing that you didn't realize the characters still have, they still have and are using now, and it's like, I mean, you didn't have to say that they still had it for for them to still have it. I didn't need the constant reminder that they still had it, but I totally forgot they had it. So you just suddenly being like, they used this thing that they still had. I'm like, oh yeah, it that's smacks right. a little bit of defensiveness too. You know? What, sorry, how do you mean? Uh, just like a little bit, like it, like he was he's he's like preempting somebody being like, wait, what? What is that? I don't remember that. It's like they've always had it don't stop asking stop don't bother me yeah just (laughs) because i didn't say every single chapter that had that character though they had this thing on them doesn't mean they've had it on them and it's like fair enough you know fair enough uh so he has this rocket launcher and gennaro has the 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 missiles for it and he's just like all right load it up and he loads it up it's it's backwards first so he has to take it out and reload it and then the the raptor to the left just explodes and it's like (laughs) Man, it, uh, the the detail describing is fun. Like it gets it, it, the wall gets plastered, like it got hit with a, a giant tomato or whatever. The body falls over, the tail's twitching. It's 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 vivid imagery. Yeah. And so that uh, that that causes the other two raptors to look at them, and uh, give Arnold a chance to make his getaway to the to the shed. But um, that little offensive of theirs doesn't really last long because soon they are scattered and running from the raptors on their own. And then Arnold, who's now made it to the shed, um, you know, I got to think that this dude isn't as smart as he thinks he is because the shed's pitch black when he goes in there. And he's like, I gotta find the catwalk. Oh god, it's so dark. And he opens the door back up so the light can shine in a little bit. And Mm -hmm. his thought process is, I'm gonna crack the door open and use my shoe to hold the door open. Surely nothing bad can happen with this, right? It's not like it's already been established that the raptors are smart and Muldoon already knew that they were, like, trying to open doors and whatnot. No, this is totally fine. And so he just uses that small amount of light to be able to see where he's going instead of what I feel like would have been the smarter thing was crack the door open so that you can see what direction you need to head in, shut the door behind you and start heading in that direction, feeling for things. Since you now know what direction you need to go, you don't necessarily need your eyes or the light as much. You're just pointed in the right direction. You've used your hands to feel the rest. By the time it really matters, your eyes will adjust enough to the dark to where not necessarily you'll be able to see, but you'll have an easier time than you were before. That would have been, in my opinion, the smart idea. But, um... Yeah. You know, I... Well, you know, Arnold really has not acquitted himself as being particularly smart in this book. I mean, he's kind of, like, they kind of give his CV at the top, and they make it seem like he's this very accomplished guy. But uh, throughout this time, he's he's basically kind of 
making a lot of very short-sighted decisions and generally being a fairly pig-headed individual. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember the the movie. Maybe not necessarily uh, a good good thing. We should we shouldn't necessarily always be doing. But I, I'm trying to remember what what happened to him. And you know, did does, was he like this in the movie? I don't remember him being quite as uh, obnoxious in this way in the movie. Uh, he's not really in a lot of the movie. I mean, if, if you remember, he's 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 played by Sam Jackson. Yeah. And out, outside of... I was going to say specifically, Sam Jackson brings like this gravitas and intelligence that is entirely missing from the, uh, from the book version of this character. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the movie in a number of years, so I may not be remembering completely Arnold's um, entire role in it but i know it's severely cut down compared to the book but with that cutting down it does take away some of the arrogance of his character in that i know that it's mostly to do with his storyline in the movie is mostly to do with the system errors from nedry's um uh his little hack into it and then him trying to get the power back on because I think in the movie, the power is down until Ellie goes and turns all the things on when Tim is climbing on the fence and it shocks him and he gets flown off. And I think the power is all, always down until that point. I could be remembering wrong. Like I said, it's, it's been a number of years. But outside of his little, like, struggle with Nedry's thing, I think the only other thing he really has in the movie is his arm falling onto Ellie in the power room. <laughs> yeah. He gets off screen yeah. by a raptor. Oh, rip. Yeah. Like his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so yeah, he's he's going down he's going down the catwalk and he's he's heading towards the, some stairs. And this is important, he's heading towards some stairs that are going down. But um what happens? Uh a raptor comes up, sees the shoe, and is like, This door is ajar and Arnold's like, That's not a jar, that's a door and the raptor's like, You're gonna die for that I one. <laughs> Raptors don't appreciate dad jokes, so he just opens the door and he's coming after Arnold. Arnold's like, oh, raptors are stupid. They can't use stairs. So he goes down the stairs and he's basically just like, ha ha. And the raptor's like, I don't don't fucking need stairs. And he just jumps down the stairs. Arnold's like, oh no. (laughs) And the raptor kills him because he's an idiot. Like, that's how it goes. (laughs) Woo. Uh, I love how after this happens it almost felt like um have you played the game until dawn yes uh there's a bit near the end of the game i think it's in there's 10 chapters i think it's in chapter it might be in chapter 10 honestly i don't remember uh there's a bit near the end where the characters are heading down through this secret passageway from the basement of the house and it's going to lead them to the insane asylum and Depending on how many characters you still have alive, this scene may change, but I'm going to go under the, the, the idea that you have as many characters alive as you can at this point. You're playing as, um, I forgot this, the girl's name. Uh, you're playing as this girl whose name I've forgotten. I think it might be Ashley. Something like that. No, no. it's, it's, it's something like Ashley and you're going down. This is a game about Wendigos, by the way, spoilers. Sorry. Um, you're going down, and you hear the noise, uh, an echo coming through one of the side passages 
of what sounds like one of the other girls, Jessica, screaming for help. And at this point, you know that if you know that she's still alive, if she is still alive, you could easily be fooled in thinking that it's her because you haven't seen her in quite a while. And you can go down and uh, investigate a trapdoor. And if you were paying attention and reading all the files, you would have recently learned that Wendigos can imitate human voices. So it's supposed mm -hmm. that's supposed to be your warning as to don't open the trapdoor. But if you open the trapdoor, she'll get grabbed by the Wendigo. It'll rip her head off. She dies. And then you'll take care. You'll take control of Chris, who has been lagging behind the group because he twisted his ankle earlier in the story and he'll be walking down the path and then he will hear her voice and then you can go and investigate as him and you can once again open the trap door and a wendigo will come up and kill him and if you do that unironically as the player you're an idiot and you deserve both those characters dying because you just killed two characters in the exact same way why am i talking about this because i feel like this is almost exactly what happened in this book because after arnold died trying to get to the power system to the raptor um, everyone's kind of scattered. Uh, Muldoon has not necessarily escaped the raptors, but he has escaped their attack, so to say. He's scrambled. He's evaded them. Yeah, he's, like, wedged himself into this, like, drainage pipe thing, and they can't fit into it, and they're trying to get at him, and he's he's really squeezed in there tight. And that was like, a really weird thing. Like, I, I can't imagine... Based on the dimensions they give us for the raptors, there being a place where a human could fit in, but a raptor couldn't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're maybe they're like super thick, like a couple more C's than Elastigirl thick, so they can't get their booties in there. Uh, yeah. So he's he's there. They know he's in there, and they're trying to get at him, and he shoots off the foot of one of them, and he's like, "Man, I hope that I hope they're not on the other side of this pipe. Otherwise, they're gonna just just bite my just ass. a little thing here." He has six shells in his shotgun, and at this point there are seven raptors, because he just blew up one. Yeah. So he is he is on very limited... Re so using that shot was, well, maybe not unnecessary, but it, it does... It does in, he, is, he is in great danger. Uh, it, 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 it helped, kind of. We'll see in a little bit. Um, but, so yeah, they've kind of scattered, and... He can't really do much with the rocket launcher because Gennaro is the one that has the the round uh, the ammunition for it, and they're like, you know, Muldoon's like, "Woo, is 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 everything working yet?" And he's like, "No, nah, I haven't. Uh, the power's not back on." I'm like, "Oh God, we gotta figure that out." And Gennaro's like, "I'll go. I'll, I'm close to the shed. I'll go. I'll I'll go and investigate that." So he goes into the shed, and he <laughs> walks across the catwalk, and he goes down the stairs, and he's walking. And uh, he notices the he, he okay here. This is even more stupid, actually. I, I need to back up a smidge. He sees the door being propped open by a shoe. He opens the door. He's like, "Man, it's dark in here." So what does he do? He opens the door all the way and props it open with the shoe. <laughs> Just what? What are you this thinking? Man, this man is losing two characters easy in. Uh... Until dawn. Yeah. <laughs> For reference, I lost zero. Uh, I think in my first playthrough, I lost three. Yeah, I lost three. Because uh, I, I, I tried to be the good boyfriend and save What's-Her-Face, the really snotty bitch. I tried to save her, and because I tried to save her, I ate a meat hook. Um, and that meant Jessica died. Uh, anyways, uh, so 
yeah, he just props the door wide open. You know, I, oh, I need to see. Oh, there's seven raptors about, but it doesn't matter. Oh, what are they going to do? Follow me in here? Uh, so he goes down the stairs the same way that, that Arnold went. And he's like, oh, there's something dripping on me. Oh, it's warm. Oh, it's sticky. Oh, my God, it's blood. And he looks up, and there's there's a raptor just up in the pipes just looking down on him. Like, all like Sam Fisher, like, with, you know, doing his cross leg up the wall, getting ready to pounce and knock <laughs> him out. Like, what is, what is this raptor doing? Why is it up there? What's what's going on? What? He's having he's having a snack. Is what he's ha- he's doing. Yeah. Uh, so it attacks Gennaro, and it's like, well, all right, there goes Gennaro. I guess just just you know the until dawn way went and opened the trap door with two characters in a row. Uh, so, uh oh, bye bye Gennaro. I guess. Uh, so then now we've got Grant and the kids. They've they've they got in their electric car. They're going through the tunnel. They burst out of the tunnel and they're in front of the lodge. They finally made it. Woo! It took them all night and most of the morning. They've only got like forty five minutes before the boat makes it to the mainland with the with the little ra- uh, uh, raptor babies on it, and they 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 they, they finally they finally got there. So everything's a mess they walk in they see that uh the 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 glass is broken there's a dead guard and grant takes the radio and he's trying to hail anybody he uh gets through everyone's like oh my god grant it's you holy shit you're alive you you got the kids with you and he's like i got them both with me and they're like oh wow great um we got some problems here tell them about like what's going on with the raptors so grant's like all right kids i'm gonna put you in the cafeteria you're gonna be safe there. I gotta go to the maintenance thing, uh, and I gotta go turn the power back on. And we was like, let me know when you're in there, and I'll walk you through how to do it. Uh, however, uh, the raptors are out there still, and in the meantime, two of them have made it onto the roof of the lodge. Uh, they're above where Malcolm, Hammond, and Ellie and Harding are. And if you remember back to the beginning when they make it to the island and Grant's like, oh, they got metal bars on the ceiling. Uh, the raptors are now chewing through the metal bars. And normally they're electrified. But since the power's out, it, it's they're just metal bars. And the raptors have enough force in their bite that they can eat through the metal bars. So they're having to watch as these raptors above them are chewing through the metal bars trying to get to them and it's only going to be a matter of time before they chew through the both bars and get down and are able to just fall down through the glass and eat them all so they need a distraction to because they, they have those two raptors accounted for there's at least five others unaccounted for and grant needs the opening to get to the maintenance building so ellie decides that she's going to go out there and she's going to distract the raptors so her and Muldoon go out. Muldoon has made it back at this point. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so I should back up a little bit. I forgot this little tidbit. Uh, Muldoon in the pipe was like, Woo, you're useless in there in the control room at this point. Grab a Jeep. Swing by. Pick me up. We're heading to the lodge. So they make it back to the He's lodge. He's still in the pipe, right? I think at that point he was, yeah. So Woo got in a Jeep, swung by, picked up Muldoon. And they made it to the lodge. The raptors are somewhere out in the open. They have to figure out. And they need to get them away from there so that Grant can make a clean shot straight to it. Uh, So Ellie goes through the gate, walks out, 
uses herself as bait, barely makes it back in, and now they have three raptors there. And she starts essentially taunting them, and they're getting all riled up and, like, snapping at her. Muldoon is snarling at them, which pisses them off. So they've got their distraction, so Grant goes in, and he makes it to the uh, to the shed with a, a door that's propped open by a shoe, by the way. <laughs> so Grant gets there. He's like, woo, I'm in. Uh, and Wu's like, all right, hey, uh, you're going to see uh, a catwalk and some stairs going down. Look to the left, and you'll see another pathway that leads to a ladder going down. Go that way, which means Arnold and Gennaro went the wrong way. <laughs> Gennaro, I can understand. He was just kind of going blind. But the fact that Arnold went the wrong way is so stupid. Like, it's not stupid writing. It's stupid because Arnold is an idiot. You'd think he would know. If Wu can close his eyes and perfectly trace Grant through the maintenance shed to the generator, why can't Arnold do it? And this is not Wu's job, by the way. Wu is like the geneticist. Geneticist. Like, the if anything, Arnold's the guy that should should, should be super knowledgeable about all this stuff. Yeah, and he was like, oh, the catwalk. I gotta make it to the catwalk. I gotta make it to the stairs. And he's not even going the right way. Like, it... it uh, what? This dude's so stupid. Uh. He, yeah. Uh, he... I, I, I just don't know about this guy. He he was... He's one of the, the... Actually, the more frustrating. He's like... After... After him, and he was the one, one of the characters I was most frustrated by... Yeah, and let me be clear, this is by no means me saying that Crichton sucked at writing this character. Michael Crichton wrote this character perfectly. He mo- he wrote an arrogant computer programmer guy person who thinks that he knows everything, and it turns out he doesn't, and he ends up dying for it. So it, this is by no means a criticism of Crichton's writing. It's a criticism of Arnold the character as he was written by Crichton, if that makes sense. No. Absolutely, and, and I just want to say that I think that's a good thing to point out because far too many people... Um, they they take things that characters do as authorial in, intentions often in in a like there there's times when it it is clear or you can infer that there is a certain authorial intention or statement being made, but it, it's created this environment where sometimes characters can't just do the wrong thing and without people jumping all over them and saying plot hole plot hole you know that and i really genuinely uh dislike that uh that kind of criticism yeah like i i've recently over the last couple of days i've decided to go back through the audiobooks of uh a song on ice and fire because i wanted to for some reason they're really good they're really great books it's just you know it's been 13 years since the fifth one came out um and you know I'm going through uh, I'm going through a Game of Thrones right now. I'm like I don't know six or seven hours into the audiobook, and there's so many times through it, and this this happened throughout the first three books where I'm like, man, this Joffrey kid's such a fucking asshole. He's so stupid. Jesus, he only makes stupid decisions. That's not me saying Martin sucks at writing. It's just me saying he wrote a really great character that's stupid as shit. So yeah, don't take my criticisms of, of Arnold or Gennaro or Grant or Malcolm or whoever as criticisms towards Crichton's writing. It's more so it's a it's a it's a compliment to Crichton's writing, not a complaint, because he's able to write these characters that have these flaws that I can point out and be like, look at me in my in my uh, in my high chair pointing down at you and saying you're stupid. I could do it better. Back to the plot, uh, Grant 
makes his way over. He goes down the ladder. He's walking through. He has a pretty uneventful trip through the maintenance thing. Uh, and he makes it to the generator. And he, after a little bit of trial and error, he ends up getting the generator going. And it's like, great, cool. Uh, that's problem one solved. Now you have to make it back to the control room. And Wu's going to walk him through this process to, to uh, turn the main power system on. Which, that's all fine and good. Um, probably worth mentioning also, at, at different points in time, we cut back to Malcolm in, in his in his sick bay. Hammond's in there with him. And it, <laughs> he goes on these, these long diatribes. Har Harding keeps saying that he's delirious. But, I mean, he, this is nothing different to the Malcolm we've seen this entire book. So he may be high on morphine, but he's still consistently Ian Malcolm, as we have understood him throughout this book. He's going on and on and on about man versus nature, on how why, uh, why Hammond, his arrogance, has proven why this is going to fail, on why they don't understand, and how science... Science has essentially become too big for its britches, and the world is now leaving science behind just like the world had left the feudal age behind during uh, the Renaissance in Italy. Uh, Malcolm's, his his waxing philosophical does have a lot of bleed over with some of the other things. He, he, kinda, he kind of has, he says different things, but they all kind of loop back to some like general primary uh, thesis as a whole. So, um, yeah, he talks about how the scientists have what he calls inherited power he, he attributes it to something like inherited wealth to where it's like you didn't earn the wealth uh so you don't understand it and that's why uh similarly with this this inherited power that these scientists get they didn't work hard they didn't make the 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 sacrifices they didn't put in the work and he's like you know a black belt uh, like someone someone working in a black belt uh i forgot the other examples but basically him saying there's people that go through these struggles that put in the work that go through all of these ordeals and they earn that power that they've been searching for and they are able to correctly use that power like he attributes it to like someone who's learned to have the ability to kill does not suddenly just start killing people because they understand the weight of of murder and so they even though they have the power to it to do it they understand it and so they don't recklessly use it whereas these scientists they have inherited this power by standing on the shoulders of the others before them and they don't they don't have that same uh, perspective. They don't have the same understanding of that power that someone who actually worked for for it and earned it would. Just like he said with inherited wealth, that similar thing. And that's what that's what uh, Hammond has done with this. That's why this is this has failed because basically he doesn't have the right context of the power that he wields. So he doesn't truly understand it. So he's always been doomed to fail for it. A lot of it, I feel kind of goes a little into the not nihilistic because he does go I don't remember if it's this one or if it's the next I think it's the next one because it cuts back he has like two major kind of spiels that he gives out to Hammond and I think it's the second one where he's talking about how as old as the earth is our lifespan on it has basically been a blink in its eye the Earth's billions and billions of years old, and we've only been here for thousands. So we we're only just a speck. I he he doesn't say this, but I'm reminded of the. Uh, I I'm gonna butcher this. This isn't exactly right, but it's something along the lines of if the um, 
if the history of the Earth from its creation to now was a 12-hour clock, I think it's something like you wouldn't even be 30 seconds on it or something like that. I, I don't know. I it's, feel it's some, like, I feel it's like I've heard like some, some sort of, yeah. The point being is we are a microscopic piece of the history of the planet Earth. And he and this is something that I'm sure a lot of people have heard before in some facet or another. It doesn't matter what happens, what we do to the planet. At the end of the day, the planet will outlive us. And he says something that I disagree with. And it's it's Hammond's like, oh, what? So we shouldn't care about uh, about the environment. And Malcolm's like, no, it doesn't matter. Okay. Can I can I say something that's going to be uh, maybe a little upsetting? Huh. Crichton in his later years became a climate change denialist, and that when I read that that part, I was like, oh. It, it makes <laughs> it sense. Was, it was like it was like okay that that I I actually didn't know that until I was doing some a little bit of research as part of this podcast, and then I found out. In his later years, he became a climate change denialist. That's why I, I included that caveat earlier about like this idea that it is usually not like characters make mistakes, and it is usually not like some sort of authorial statement. In this case, it definitely was. Yeah, that does kind of come back to reinforce something I said in the previous thing, to where it's like at the end of the day, Malcolm is always right in this book, and that might be Crichton being like, "See, I'm right." Uh, is, is Malcolm the Crichton insert? I don't know, maybe. Maybe in terms of his philosophical beliefs. And I, I don't disagree with a lot of what Malcolm said, but when it, when it comes down to when he was just like, essentially, fuck the environment, the Earth will be fine with or without us, it's like, you're, you're, you're right in that it doesn't matter how humanity goes extinct or when it goes extinct, unless we do something that blows up the planet completely and it becomes specks of dust in the universe the planet earth will survive us if we launch nukes at every country in the world and completely irradiate the entire planet and decimate the entire human population the earth will recover that is just a fact the earth will survive us we are a virus on the earth that it will eventually be purged it could be tomorrow i wouldn't say virus but we're we're kind of we're kind we kind of are in terms of like what we're what we are doing to the earth's ecosystem Oh. But I, you know, it's it's, but it's it's. He does make a point. Like it's not so too dissimilar from when there were plants that were creating oxygen, and oxygen was a toxin. So those plants were a virus to the earth at that stage of its life cycle. But the earth adapted, and you know, the earth will eventually adapt to anything we do to it, and it will move on. So he does have a point in that regard. That it's a bit of an arrogant thing for a human to suggest that they might destroy the earth you aren't going to destroy the earth realistically what you're going to do is you're going to destroy the means for humanity to survive on the earth it's a big See, difference but that that's and i found that kind of um kind of like an uh, an annoying par, uh maybe parsimonious look at it very it was very reddit in a bad way um, sure it is it's like well okay maybe you're right but well, that does that does not take into account the extreme amounts of suffering that that would that are going to happen as a result of, for example, something like climate change, for not just to people and and he's hand waving you know what would be uh, a truly catastrophic event that for say I think it's safe to say billions of people, um, and then but also not not just that if he's he's kind of like kind of discounting the the human uh element 
there's going to be a lot of suffering in in terms of like the other forms of life on on, on earth so i don't know i just i i was uh deeply unimpressed by his by his thinking in this section again not a not a knock on on the way that not a knock on the writing per se but it's just like uh, i just generally don't agree with with this and i think that this is not i don't know i don't think it's a good perspective to have or at least a realistic or useful perspective certainly that that's kind of what i'm getting at because it's like I'm saying he's right in in the in the case of how it's like the earth will survive us regardless of what we do. It's the point that he gets around to, the whole meaning behind his words. That's when I'm like, all right, Malcolm, you've you've lost me on this one because yeah, like he like you're you're kind of saying and like he says he basically says it doesn't matter. Uh, the climate change, environmentalism, it doesn't matter because what will happen will happen. Who cares? And he, he basically he he kind of does take the side. He he, he, he yeah. It's, it is kind of a Reddit moment for him. He puts on his fedora, tip like tips it to the side, and he's just like, mm, humans are a cancer onto the earth, and the sooner that we are eradicated, the sooner Mother Nature will take back control, and everything will be in harmony again. You know, it it kind of it kind of comes across as something like that, to where he's essentially, it's not. I don't want to go as far as say it's a, it's a misanthropic worldview, but it's it's a nihilistic kind of. And this, it's it's kind of like a come what may, I who cares, kind of thing, and I don't agree. With I would that. definitely, I would definitely say it's very nihilistic. Yeah, and I, I that's 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 where it lost me, and I and I agree. It's like you're, he's basically hand waving, like you said, any suffering that might be caused to humanity because of it, because he is. He is a professor of chaos theory. These things, these, these issues are bigger than the 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 paltry needs of seven billion people. Are you kidding me? Like, it, he's kind of up his own ass in this. And I don't know. Maybe you can make the argument that it's the drugs, the delirium, and the septic blood talking. Uh, but I kind of disagree. I think if anything, that it has like being drunk removed any inhibitions he might have had and now he's pro he's probably speaking as re this is probably the truest look into ian malcolm's brain that we then we will ever get it's in in, in that's not in vino veritas it's in in opiates veritas or whatever he's yeah. there they, they got him on morphine or whatever so i i still love the character i think he's a lot of fun but he's he very gets... interesting very compelling when he gets philosophical, I start to disagree with some of the things he says. And, you know, once again, it's it. Crichton does seem to make it to where it's like Ian Malcolm is the... Um, I don't know what comparison I want to give to this. He, Malcolm he, Sue? <laughs> I was going to say like kind of like the wise man character. I, I didn't want to say like a Gandalf because I didn't want to put that much power on Ian Malcolm. But I, I think they do find a kind of similar character. Uh, character archetype in that they're the wise they're, they're the wizened um character that that you know that they they, they know have the long view yeah they're 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 the person that has the most wisdom and is able to like see things for what they really are something like that and i don't i, I don't know i think he's i think he he's better as this just kind of crazy nutter guy who is yeah right about a lot of things but it's it's more of like an incidentally right than a like absolute right you know 
Yeah. Like, it's funny that he was like, oh, yes, absolutely, the dinosaurs have escaped the island. Oh, why have they escaped? Oh, because they exist. So, obviously, they've escaped. Oh, uh, have the dinos- have any dinosaurs been causing these children's deaths? No, no, not at all. And it's like, you know, it's, it's something like that. It's where we get that, like, he just says shit because his reasoning is, trust me, bro, it has to be. And <laughs> it's he's right, but then he's also wrong at the same time. Like, that's fun. But then it's, you know, he, he starts getting... He starts getting weird. He just gets really weird, and it's really fun to read. It's it's so much fun to read as he just basically gives Hammond a, a philosophical smackdown, and Hammond's just sitting there just being like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're saying. Does anyone understand what he's saying? This guy's crazy. And it's, it's you know, he, he's getting under Hammond's skin, mm-hmm. and it's fun. But he's he also is saying some pretty dumb shit, I think, at the same time. Yeah, I definitely agree. Do you think we've hit our Ian Malcolm quota for this episode? Uh, almost. Almost, yeah. We have a contractual obligation. Uh, I'm legally required to inform all of you that uh, we have a contractual uh, uh, form that says that we have to spend a certain amount of time talking about Ian Malcolm every episode. Otherwise, um, we will be eaten by dinosaurs. Well, here... Here's the thing. We heard from uh, Jeff Goldblum's lawyers after he, after they, after he heard our terrible impressions, and uh, to keep a, to make a long story short, uh, they're keeping a tight leash on the rest of the production. And so, yep, you got to make sure we do it right. Um, by the way, uh, this episode of the Sad Boys Book Club is sponsored by. Go buy it today. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's so great just being able to just grab my guitar behind me and do that. Um, anyways, so, yeah, Malcolm's doing Malcolm things, as you do. Uh, Grant turned on the power. Ellie is playing peekaboo with the raptors, and they're playing peekaboo back, and they're like, oh, it's weird, the raptors are, the raptors are actually playing with Ellie. That's kind of strange. Uh... I wonder why they're actually... It's almost like they're trying to, to keep Ellie distracted instead of Ellie... To, oh, my God! And so Wu's like, oh, no. We, he opens the door and he's like, Ellie, you gotta get back in. Come on, come on. She's like, why? I'm distracting the raptors. He's like, no, come on, come on, come on, come on. You gotta get back. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And then the raptor grabs him and kills him. Yeah. <laughs> Four went out for Wu. Of, of the Jurassic Park people... Which I, of which I do not include Gennaro, even though I guess I probably should, but I just don't. Um, he was the most sympathetic by by a, a good... Well, uh, maybe the, the doctor, the, the vet guy, is probably more sympathetic. But Wu wasn't, wasn't bad. He definitely didn't deserve to get eaten like that. Yeah, I, I do like that, um, that bit of uh, like pride that he has like just before he dies. Uh, when he's like thinking to himself and he's like... You know, if the dinosaurs are breeding, that just means that I was even more successful than I thought I would be. This is, this is a, I will never say this out loud, but this is a real credit to my work. And it's like, yeah. That's I, extreme cope. <laughs> it, yeah. I mean, we, we haven't even gotten to extreme cope yet. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it turns out that the raptors were distracting Ellie so that other raptors could climb up a tree, hop onto the roof, and 
flank all of them, and Wu opening the door was basically him jumping in front of Ellie. And so the raptor grabbed him instead and tore him open. And I, I love this. Like it, This is so macabre, but I can't help but find it funny. I'm sorry. that his They're intent- lovable scamps. Yeah. Th- oh. Not, not, not okay, quite that. Um, <laughs> but the raptor has torn him open. His intestines are all, like, gushing out. It's eating him. He's still alive. And he's just, like very weakly trying to push its head away from him i don't know why i found that funny just this dude who's been completely gored and is being eaten and he's just like stop it get away stop it <laughs> I, I don't know maybe this is insensitive on my part but i just i it gave me a small chuckle just the the visual of him just trying to push it i don't know is that morbid so, to me? To- Maybe a little bit, I would say. I, I, I'm, I, I was, what, what I found more amusing is this idea of the raptors creating this little plan, and then they're distracting her, and then the others are climbing up a tree. It's, it's all very, uh, it's very Tom and Jerry kind of situation they got going. Wait, so you're saying that it's a little morbid that I feel that way, but then you compare it to a children's cartoon about slapstick animals hurting each other? Uh, I, I'm not thinking about the gore. I'm thinking about silly cartoon raptors running around, and then they're like, okay, you go over there, you go over there, and then silly cartoon raptors climbing up a tree, giggling to themselves. <laughs> They'll never suspect this, ha ha, and then as you see, you see them just like, go up the tree in a straight line, and it makes the sound effect as they go up. <laughs> yes, that, see, that's what I was talking about with the, 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 the scamps aspect, is like, Oh, those raptors! You know that—that—that's what I was talking about. Not necessarily Wu getting getting uh, sliced up there. <laughs> yeah, the, the raptor grabs Wu and is eating him, and Muldoon's like, "Oh, those raptors did it again!" And the raptor looks up. Yeah, the raptor looks up. It's got pieces of Wu like just falling from its mouth, and it's just like, "Ain't I a stinker?" And it shrugs its arms. Audience claps, freeze frame. Everywhere you look, you know, just you know, just moments like that. <laughs> exactly. Should, this, this needs to be a thing. Someone needs to make some like children, cartoon animated, just ridiculous. The Raptors of Jurassic Park in this climax, because it's oh man, we we've been building to the Raptors for this entire book. They only had that initial scene with the cages when Grant and. Um, and Tim and Malcolm went to go see them, and they were attacking them. Like, well, those raptors are kind of smart, aren't they? Uh, that, that's all we had of the raptors, the the main raptors here, until this climax. And it does a great job of making you kind of forget about the raptors as a threat until they are the threat. And it's like, oh, all of that shit that's been happening—the aviary, the T Rex, um, the stampede—all of these things that have been happening, the 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 all, all of this is nothing compared to the raptors the raptors are the real threat the raptors are the real danger they are the ones that are actually killing people yes ed regis was killed by the baby t-rex yeah there's been some casualties but he kind of sucks yeah he's 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 not he's not he's not the kind of guy that's making it to the end of the story anyway yeah the 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 characters that have died prior to the raptor bit they they're just there to build the, the tension of the dinosaurs as a whole 
it's all about the Raptors. This book's all about the Raptors. The Raptors is the best part. I love this part. This is the best part of the book. I love it. It's great. The we're Raptors doing awesome. we're doing a tier list. We're doing a tier list of the characters. Raptors are up in the S tier. Ed Regis is down somewhere in D. No, the Raptors are in the V tier for Velociraptor. <laughs> Special tier only for them. Yes. Um, so Ellie just books it. She's out of there. Um, let's see. Uh, so yeah, Wu is dead. Mold, uh, Muldoon's like, oh shit, uh, that's bad. Uh, no, nobody knows how to do the computers. And Ellie is being chased by the raptors. She climbs up a tree and jumps to the roof like the raptors did. And she sees the raptors climbing after her. She goes to a door on the roof, banging on it. No one's there. She's like, ah, oh, shit. There's a, there's a pool. And she ends up doing her best Assassin's Creed, jumps off the roof and into the pool. <laughs> and if, if, if you wanted some more slapstick comedy here, you basically get a nice little knock-knock joke. Ellie knocks on the door, knock-knock, and just not, she ding-dong ditches the door. Ed, uh, not Ed, just, no, <laughs> he's dead. Uh, Harding opens the door, and he's like, who is it? And then the raptors attack him, and he's like, oh, no! <laughs> uh yeah, Muldoon's like, she's already in, she's already in! And then the raptor's attacking, he, like, slams the door shut, and it, he gets, like, basically, a, for all intents and purposes, it's a minor scrape. And he shuts the door, and he's like, oh, that was a close one. It's a bad punchline, I know. But, you know, the <laughs> raptors aren't aren't comedians. Uh, so Ellie oh. makes it back in. They're, uh, for all intents and purposes, safe now. Yeah. This is a very funny section. There's This, is, this book has turned into a comedy. It's become a horror comedy of sorts. Yeah. So, um, the kids have been left in the cafeteria. Uh, you know, I have to do it. I have to talk about the movie. Um, when I was a kid watching the movie, and there's the scene with the kids in the cafeteria, and they have that table full of food, and they're eating the food, and they're just smiling at each other, and it's 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 kind of awkward if we're being honest here. We're just watching kids eat food and smile at each other, and it's it's really awkward. Um, when I was a kid, I I would have given anything to have a seat at that table because man, that just looked like a lot of good food. And then the raptors attacked. Um, meanwhile, the kids they're in the cafeteria. Lex is like, I'm hungry. I want ice cream. I want a hamburger. I want to play pickle. And by the way, Tim has his night vision goggles. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Did you know that Tim still had his night vision goggles on him? <laughs> I sure as shit didn't. I thought he lost them when they watched Ed Regis get killed by the baby T-Rex. Because they have not been mentioned since. The last time we heard of the night vision goggles... This is, this is what I was... This is, I was foreshadowing this earlier when I was talking about shit being mentioned that you thought was not a thing anymore but still was a thing. Um... I thought that he lost the goggles when they fell off of his face with the with the baby T Rex, and the baby T Rex was like, "What was that noise?" Like, I, I thought mm-hmm. that was them losing them ostensibly because they had to leave. He's had them the whole time, and to be fair, it's been daytime, so you don't need night vision goggles. And, and, and during the day, there's been no real reason for Tim to be using the night vision goggles since then. Ever since they slept in the. Uh, the paddock and they woke up with the t the triceratops you know it's it's been daytime there's been no need for them so yeah Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be stated that they still have them they've just been there but it did catch me off guard when tim's like it's like tim put his night vision goggles back on and i'm like what 
Oh. Okay. Rapid yeah, I was. Yeah, it, I that one I, that one took me back a little bit too. Like I said, it's it's not a big deal. Like I said, it, it really I don't need to be reminded that they have the night vision goggles in the aviary or behind the waterfall or in the in the golf cart. I don't need to be told uh, Tim was thumbing the the knobs of his night vision goggles. Like it, it's not necessary. It really isn't. It's not important to the story to mention that Tim still has them because they're not needed at this point in time. To believe that he has still been holding on to them, 11-year-old kid holding on to these high-tech goggles, it's not that crazy to think. It just, you know, just because they have something, it does not mean we need to keep being reminded that they have it. It just caught me off guard is all. That's that's really it. Uh, so, you know, the Raptors, or the, the Raptors have come, or a Raptor has come. Uh... I don't remember. It's it's been a minute. It's like I, I I don't know if I've said this yet, but it's been a number of years since I've seen the movie. Uh, I don't remember how they deal with the raptor. I think they maybe just get away from it in the kitchen in the movie. I I I thought they uh, they closed him in the refrigerator too. But again, yeah. it's been. I thought he did, but then again, it, it's been many years since I've seen the movie, and uh, I've I've listened to the audio book more recently than I've seen the movie. Yeah, I both times I have consumed this novel, the first time via the audiobook and the second time being reading it reading the actual text this time through over this last month. Um both of those times I have been more recent than the last time I've seen the movie. So a lot of it's probably going to be mixed in my mind some of the details. Uh, the only thing I can really remember vividly is Lex trying to pull the oven door closed as the raptors charging her. And it turns out it's been charging her reflection instead, and it slams into the into the the polished steel. That's like the only big moment of of the uh, the raptor scene in the cafeteria in the kitchen that I can remember from the movie. I, I can't remember how they get out. I remember I remember it like put. Oh, this is a great shot from the movie when it puts its face up to the window, the little like port window in the door, and you see the the mm-hmm. handle rattling. That's a great scene. That's a really good moment. As you see it, because oh, like that—that's that's the movie showing us that they can open doors instead of telling us that they can open doors. It's great. Spielberg's pretty good sometimes. Dare I say most of the time? I don't know. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull kind of stuff. I'd say I'd say like eighty to seventy-five to eighty percent at least hit rate. Yeah, um, but anyways, the, there's a raptor that's coming after them in the cafeteria. Um, Tim is—he has Lex hide behind like a waste bin, and. He starts grabbing some steaks from the fridge and is just trying to make a. I man, you're you're kind of on point with the Tom and Jerry thing, honestly. <laughs> he, he he's laying a trail of steaks on the ground. He's like, oh, here we go. I'm gonna leave some breadcrumbs for it. And he's like, the raptor's gonna stop and he's gonna eat the steak. And he's gonna be like, mmm, yummy. And he's gonna be like, oh, look, another steak and eat it. And he's gonna be like, mmm, yummy. Oh, look, another steak. And that's not how it goes. But man, you know, Tim, he, Tim's eleven. What can you say? Uh, it eats the first one, but then it kind of wisens up. But it's also really dark in there, and I guess it can't see very well in the dark. Well, it can see okay in the dark. It it, it, it doesn't have dark vision, so, you know, don't ever roll a Velociraptor if you're playing D&D, I guess. Um, eventually, it walks right by him, since it's so dark. He, he can see it because of the night vision goggles, but it can't really see him. It gets to the freezer, and it just walks into the freezer. And he's like, all right, cool. And there's a little bit of a struggle, uh, but he ends up getting it shut in there, and he has Lex put the pin into the door, which locks it, which my thought process of this, 
I don't know how strong those pins are for those locks, but they put a lot of faith in that holding to a giant six foot tall, who knows how much it weighs Velociraptor just slamming into that door over and over. I'm just I'm just gonna throw this out there. Um, I've had to work in places with refrigerators. The, the those kind of things they like walk-in freezers. I mean, though they're they're like not that strong. At least the one we had was not like super. I don't remember it being very difficult to open one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, how they describe the the door itself, how it has the handle, the latch on the outside, and the inside is essentially a. It's, it's like a button you push. It's not not a button, but like... It's it's a knob that you push in, and that's what releases the hatch on the outside. That's... Uh, every single... T- I, I've worked in a lot of different pizza places throughout my 20s. Um, uh, every single one I've worked at, that's how the walk-in freezer works at all the pizza places i worked at. So, like, you know, that's understandable. It's more so the pin that they put in to bolt it in. It, I'm just thinking it's, you know, just a, a small little steel rod that goes through a little slit, not too dissimilar to, like, an apartment door kind of thing. So, I don't know. It, it doesn't really matter. This is just me overanalyzing it. But my thought process at the time was, I don't know if that would hold, but I don't think the Raptor's smart enough to really take advantage of that in a way that would it would be able to meaningfully break through it anyways. So, for all intents and purposes, that Raptor's we'll just say it's dead because it's in the freezer yeah i again honestly felt a little bad for the raptor gotta say yeah dude it had it had to be done obviously i mean but still felt a little bad for him yeah i did find it very strange that a book that was written in 1990 uh after tim uh slammed the door and got the pen in there he went up to the window and he was like l ratioed and they left (laughs) Yeah, um, you fell off. <laughs> L plus ratio plus you fell off plus you were you went extinct. <laughs> Re-extinct, bitch. Uh, so yeah, they they Tim killed a raptor. Congratulations, an eleven-year-old kid has a higher kill count than most of the people in Jurassic Park. Dare I say, everybody except for Muldoon and someone else who. We will talk about in a minute because it's great. Tim Tim has one of the best best KDs on on the island. Yeah, <laughs> I think he might be. Uh, one, he's he's one of a very select few people that have a positive KD on Jurassic Park. What? Okay, I, I know I don't want to drag us down too far, but I just just out of curiosity, T- Tim, what what is Tim's Xbox Live? Uh, what's his what's his Xbox Live tag? Um, dinosaurs on the brain. 69 dino tim dino tim <laughs> something like that uh dino on the brain 69 420 <laughs> he 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 he's he gets he runs with a little bit of a rougher crowd i guess yeah. in in uh in middle school <laughs> <laughs> it's like yo dog i cut my teeth on velociraptor skin <laughs> pointy teeth no doubt yeah much like the raptor yeah that's actually what happens you sharp. That's why their teeth are so sharp. They're, you know, they're just filing it down on their their uh, their wrists. They use their wrists to sharpen the teeth. So I'm gonna I'm gonna you know we're we're having fun today. You know, this might be a little longer of an episode, but we're having fun, so that, that's that's fine. Uh, you remember the uh, the the fan theory from uh, Alien 
that the xenomorph is actually trying to rescue the cat from what it sees as the evil oppressing human uh slavers to the cat yes i've i've seen that so what if like that similarly the velociraptors aren't actually evil they're just desperately trying to get the lex because the, all they want to do is play a game of pickle Actually, um, it's interesting because the if if you study the fossil records, uh, dinosaur rap- raptors in particular would play pickle with uh, iguanodon eggs. Um, they 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 would just like take them and they just throw them around. Yeah. They, they 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 dinosaur. Basically, what I'm saying is, dinosaurs invented baseball. Yeah. Not, Honus Wagner. Who? No, it was a raptor. <laughs> Uh, I do believe that uh, I think it was Napoleon that wrote this letter. Um, he said that the uh, the broken section of the Rosetta Stone uh, actually had uh, they called it um, velociglyphics, and it was um, what they believed to be a velociraptor language that was instructions on how to play pickle. That's right, folks. The Sad Boys Book Club is the the number one uh, raptor-pilled podcast on the internet. It might also be the dumbest. Can we get dumber today? There's there's much worse stuff out there. I <laughs> I, got, I got to say, I, I've I've been on the internet for more than twenty years. It's it it, it can always, you it can always be worse. At this point, I'm just trying to see how dumb we can get. Uh, the, this is such a serious part of the book, man, and we're just taking the piss out of it. I I love this book. This book's phenomenal, and it, it's this is my favorite section of the book. So I, excuse me for having some fun with it, but God, it's 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 very very fun to take the piss out of these raptors. <laughs> <laughs> so they escape the kitchen. Uh, the the raptors in the in the in the freezer probably dead, and they go upstairs. Uh, Tim pushes his way into the control room and whoa look at that the power's back on and there's a radio and Lex is playing with the radio and it's like oh hey it's Muldoon and he's like whoa hey Tim uh, you want to try and get the power back on and Tim's like sure what do I do and he's like huh that's the thing isn't it nobody here knows how to use computers <laughs> uh oh have fun kid and so you know in the movie, we have this big climactic, it's a Unix system, I know this, blah, 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 blah. Um, book doesn't quite go that route. Uh, Lex doesn't really use the computer at all. It's mostly Tim just going in there, and he's just kind of, he just don't. Maybe it worked. And, and basically, basically, he's he's just key smashing and taking his best guess, and Lex is meanwhile in the background being very annoying. Yeah, she's basically just being like, "It's my turn, Tim. It's my turn. Let me play on the computer too." And he's like, "I'm trying to fix this. Please, just shut up." And she's like, "But I want to play too. It's my turn. Mom said it's my turn. You've had your 15 minutes. The timer on the oven went off. It's my turn to play on the computer. You always do this when it's my turn." You know, that, that, just, just little sister things. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh... This is a, it's a rough look for Lex on the back half of this uh, book. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. That got weirdly personal like, for me. <laughs> I know. I was gonna say. Um, I was gonna say that. I was just gonna let that lie. But um, 
Uh, that that seems to be coming from somewhere real. <laughs> yeah. you, you you went method on that one. <laughs> meth head or method? Method. Yeah, method one or methadone. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, eventually she pulls him away, but it's because the raptors have come again. Oh no, more raptors! Uh, at first he thinks it's oh no that one get out of the freezer somehow, but no, it's these raptors are just. They're just leaping up onto the second floor. It's like, hey, here we are. So, now they're being chased by more raptors. Three raptors now. And, uh... We'll come back to them in a minute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a pin in that for now. Uh, back to Grant. I'm doing this differently than the book. The book has this better pace than I'm doing it. But forgive me, I'm only human after all. Don't put the blame on me. Uh, Grant has turned on the power and he's had, making his way back. And uh, he hears someone shouting out. And he's like, hello, hello, hello. And it's Gennaro. Oh, wow, Gennaro survived. Turns out he didn't open the trap door and get his head ripped off. Crazy. Uh, I don't really know how he survived the Raptor encounter. Uh, it seems like... I don't know how this happened. Because I'm pretty confident that the Raptor that killed Arnold might not be the Raptor that attacked Gennaro. I don't know how that's true. In fact, I don't think it's true, but I feel like I might, maybe I misread or misunderstood because it sounds to me when I was reading it, like the raptor that attacked Gennaro, that he was able to push off when it attacked him and it crumbled and he felt like it was injured. It, I feel like I remember reading that it looked like its foot was missing, which implies that it was the one that was going after Muldoon in the pipe, in the pipe. But while that was happening, had to have been when Arnold was killed. Like, they had to have been happening somewhat concurrently. Mm. Because Arnold being killed happened minutes after Muldoon blew up the first raptor. And then ended mm -hmm. up being chased by the others. And him and, him and Gennaro split up. So... Either I'm misunderstanding it... Or one of two things happened. The raptor killed Arnold, left. The raptor that got its leg shot off came in. Sam Fishered up the wall and then attacked Gennaro. Or Arnold got away. Muldoon and Gennaro got chased. Muldoon shot the leg off the raptor. The raptor then decided to retreat. And then killed Arnold. But I feel like there's a lot of time in between all of that than there would be between Arnold escaping the raptors and dying. Like I said, maybe I'm misunderstanding. Maybe I missed something. And But that that's that's what I was reading, and it, it confused me. So I am... Mm -hmm. If I'm right, I am going to put a small criticism on the writing there for Crichton. If I'm wrong disregard all of this because i thought his name was dodson for 30 years so what do i know i i i just i didn't really think about that um i just i just was like oh i i don't know i i've, I've i didn't really uh think about that but i guess that's a good point i i just i just was like okay it just i just assumed it was the same raptor i guess honestly it doesn't matter 
it, it really doesn't. The the story is not going to be hurt or helped one way or the other. It 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 the 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 the, the main factors that happen do not rely on it being one raptor or the other it's fine it really doesn't make a difference but it's just something that i wanted to point out that either i misunderstood or misread or might be a potential kind of maybe minor error in the writing i don't i'm more inclined to think it's an error on my part than it is a writing than than it being a writing error but i just wanted to share that all the same anyways somehow Gennaro escaped the raptor um, I mean, the last thing we, 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 we see when he is attacked is it, it, it bites him and flings him. So it's not too dissimilar from Malcolm's situation with the T-Rex. So it's plausible that he was able to get away from it because we don't actually get the it stepped on him and was getting ready to eat him like it was with Arnold. Uh, so he's been chilling out in this van, in this truck, and he's been hiding there. And he, Grant finds him. And all things considered, Gennaro's fine. Like there's no, no 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 real he's probably scraped up a little bit I imagine it, I think the raptor bit his hand so maybe his hands a little bloody and a little 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 bruised but there's no real damage ever mentioned to Gennaro and he's he's pretty okay for the rest of the book so I'm just gonna assume that it was a minor inconvenience kind of like everything that happens to Grant because he's been slashed open quite a few times in this book by the time it's over but it has not slowed him down one bit because remember this is a man who sky dove in reverse up the Grand Canyon with two broken arms and two broken legs so it'll take a lot to put him down so yeah he's uh there he really makes Grant out to be like a really tough guy in this in this book which I'll believe it you know I'm, I'm making a joke about it but I'll believe it it's it's totally fine Grant is set up to be a superman i guess they're like yeah he hiked out of a canyon with broken leg or something like that i i I forget what what his whole what his his origin story was that um uh dr settler gave us earlier yeah uh a canyon killed his parents so he uh (laughs) he took that to heart and now he's he's grown up just going and 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 physically fighting every canyon he can get its hands on in revenge and one his canyon joker, broke his leg his joker is the grand canyon yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think of a fun little like rogues gallery thing for grant the paladuro canyon is man bat <laughs> i can just ima- imagine He's just like, one day I'll get you my greatest nemesis, Mount Rushmore. <laughs> I don't know. This 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 really can't get any stupider, can it? Uh, well, you know. <laughs> I will keep trying. The uh, the uh, the Glacier National uh, National Park is um, is Mr. Freeze. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep dragging us further and further down into the stupidity levels until we implode due to the pressure. Um, so Grant and Gennaro make it out of the maintenance building and they're heading back to the uh, to the lodge, and the doors are locked. That means the power's back on. Grant's like, oh damn, someone must have turned the power back on. That sucks. Well, who could have done that? Uh, but they make it away around to the broken glass. They get in there. 
and the doors are locked, but he gets he he, he has the, the, the wherewithal. I love how, how Crichton's like, it only took him two minutes to realize that this dead security guard he saw might have a key card. And it's like, yeah, um Yeah. I I would have also been like the doors are locked. I need a key card. Wonder if that security guard's got one. Yep. All right. Cool. Doctor Grant clearly has not played many video games. He doesn't know that the the the, the security key card always spawns on like the dead guy that you find early on. Yeah. Well, you know, Grant hates computers. Oh, fair enough. Hey, this is Dusty. So our recording for this final episode got a little out of hand and went way longer than we thought it would so we decided it would be best to cut it in half so this is the end of part one of the jurassic park finale tune in next week for part two thanks everyone take care